0: This is a book I read to the children when they were little. Umbrella by Taro Yashima. Copyright 1958 by Tara Yashima. First published by Viking Press. Momo is the name of a little girl who was born in New York. The word Momo means the peach in Japan where her father and mother used to live. On her third birthday, Momo was given two presents. Red rubber boots and an umbrella. They pleased her so much that she even woke up that midnight to take another look at them. Unfortunately... It was still Indian summer and the sun was bright. Every morning, Momo asked her mother, who used to take her to the nearby nursery school, why the rain doesn't fall? The answer was always the same. Wait, wait, it will come. One morning, Momo was more impatient than ever because the sun was brighter than ever. But then, strangely enough, a splendid idea made her jump up when she was watching the sunshine in her milk glass. I need my umbrella. The sunshine bothers my eyes. But her mother said, you know, you can enjoy the sunshine better without the umbrella. Let's keep it for a rainy day. Next morning, Momo was still unhappy because she still could not use her umbrella. But strangely enough, another idea made her jump up when she was watching the people on the street. I certainly need my umbrella today. The wind must bother my eyes. But her mother said, the wind might blow your umbrella away. Let's keep it for a rainy day. It was many, many days later that finally the rain fell. Momo was wakened by her mother's voice. Get up, get up. What is the surprise for you? Momo did not stop to wash her face. She even pulled the boots onto her bare feet. She was so excited. The pavement was all wet and new doodling she had drawn yesterday was not there anymore instead raindrops were jumping all over like tiny people dancing the street was crowded and noisy but she whispered to herself i must walk straight like a grown-up lady on the umbrella raindrops made a wonderful music she never had heard before Bon Polo, Bon Polo, Pon Polo, Pon Polo, Pon Polo, Pon Polo, Bolo Bolo, Pon Polo, Bolo Bolo, bolo. Pon Polo, Boto Boto, Pon Polo, boto, Boto Boto, Pon Polo. That's kind of ingenious. The rain did not stop all day long. Momo watched it at times while she was playing the games at the nursery school. She did not forget her umbrella when her father came to take her home. She used to forget her mittens or her scarf so easily, but not her umbrella. The street was crowded and noisy, but she whispered to herself, I must walk straight like a grown-up lady. On her umbrella, the raindrops made the wonderful music. Bon polo, bon polo. Pon polo, ponpolo polo. Pon polo, pon polo. Bolo, bolo pon polo. Bolo bolo, pon polo. botoboto, ponpolo, boto, boto, pon boto, 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 pon All the way home. Momo is a big girl now. And this is a story she does not remember at all. The illustrations are beautiful. Let me see who wrote, who did the illustration. It doesn't say. So maybe it was. Taro Yashima who did it. Anyway that was. The, the story that I read to Megan. And Momo. And Mimi. And Momo was called Momo. Not after the peach but because Mimi couldn't say Moses. That's how his name came to be. And I found the book. So I'll keep it, I think, for you guys. I love you, Grand Littles. Okay. I haven't read for a while, and I'm waiting for a phone call, so I'll see if I can pass a half hour. A Modest Proposal by Dr. Jonathan Swift, uh, 1729. A Modest Proposal for Preventing the Children of Poor People in Ireland from being a burden on their parents or country and for making them beneficial to the public. It is a melancholy object to those who walk through this great town or travel in the country when they see the streets, the roads, and cabin doors crowded with beggars of the female sex, followed by three, four, or six children all in rags and importuning every passenger burn alms. These mothers, instead of being able to work for their honest livelihood, are forced to employ all their time in strolling to beg for sustenance for their helpless infants who, as they grow up, either turn thieves for want of work or leave their dear native country to fight for the pretender in Spain or sell themselves to the Barbados. It is agree- I think it is agreed by all parties that this prodigious number of children in the arms or on the backs or at the heels of their mothers and frequently of their fathers is in the present deplorable state of the kingdom, a very great additional grievance. And therefore, whoever could find out a fair, cheap, and easy method of making these children sound and useful members of the commonwealth, would deserve so well of the public as to have his statue set up for a preserver of the nation Hmm. that sounds optimistic (coughs) but my intention is very far from being confined to provide only for the children of the professed beggars it is of much greater extent and shall take in the whole number of infants at certain age who are born of parents in effect as little able to support them as those who demand our charity in the streets. As to my own part, having turned my thoughts for many years upon this important subject and the maturely weighed the several schemes of our projectors, I've always found them grossly mistaken in their computation. It is true a child just dropped from its dam may be supported by her milk for a solar year with little other nourishment at most not above the value of two shillings which the mother may certainly get or the value in scraps by her lawful occupation of begging and it is exactly at one year old that I propose to provide for them in such a manner as instead of being a charge upon their parents or the parish or wanting food and raiment for the rest of their lives They shall, on the contrary, contribute to the feeding and partly to the clothing of many thousands. There is likewise another great advantage in my scheme that it will prevent those voluntary abortions and that horrid practice of women murdering their bastard children. Alas, too frequent among us. Sacrificing the poor innocent babe, I doubt more to avoid the expense than the shame, which would move tears and pity in the most savage and inhuman breast. The number of souls in this kingdom being usually reckoned one million and a half. Of these I calculate there may be about two hundred thousand couple whose wives are breeders, from which number I subtract 30,000 couple who are able to maintain their own children, although I apprehend there cannot be so many under the present distresses of the kingdom. But this being granted, there will remain an hundreds and 70,000 breeders. I again subtract 50,000 for those women who miscarry or whose children die by accident or disease within the year. There only then remain and 120,000 children of poor parents annually born. The question therefore is how this number shall be reared and provided for, which as I have already said, under the present situation of affairs is utterly impossible by all the methods hitherto proposed, for we can neither employ them in handicraft or agriculture, we neither build houses, I mean in the country, nor cultivate land they can very seldom pick up a livelihood by stealing till they arrive at six years old except where they are of towardly parts although I confess they learn the rudiments much earlier during which time they can however be properly looked upon only as probationers as I have been informed by a principal gentleman in the county of Cavan who protested to me that he never knew above one or two incidences under the age of six, even in a part of the kingdom so renowned for the quickest proficiency in that art. I am assured by our our merchants that a boy or girl before 12 years old is no sellable commodity, and even when they come to this age, they will not yield above three pounds or three pounds and a half crown at most. On the exchange which cannot turn to account either to the parents or kingdom the charge of nutriments and rags having been at least four times that value i shall now therefore humbly propose my own thoughts which i hope will not be liable to the least objection i have been assured by a very knowing american of my acquaintance in london that a young healthy child well nursed is at a year old a most delicious, nourishing, and wholesome food, whether stewed, roasted, baked, or boiled, and I make no doubt that it will equally serve in a fricassee or a ragout. I do therefore humbly offer it to public consideration that of the 120,000 children already computed, 20,000 may be reserved for breed, whereof only one-fourth, part to be males which is more than we allow to sheep black cattle or swine and my reason is that these children are seldom the fruits of marriage a circumstance not much regarded by our savages therefore one male will be sufficient to serve for females that the remaining hundred thousand may at a year old be offered in sale to the persons of quality and fortune through the kingdom, always advising the mother to let them suck plentifully in the last month so as to render them plump and fat for a good table. A child will make two dishes at an entertainment for friends. And when the family dines alone, the fore or hind quarter will make a reasonable dish. And seasoned with a little pepper or salt will be very good boiled on the fourth day, especially in winter. I have reckoned upon a medium that a child just born will weigh 12 pounds and in a solar year, if tolerably nursed, increaseth to 28 pounds. I grant this food will be somewhat dear and therefore very proper for landlords who as they have already devoured most of the parents seem to have the best title to the children. Infants' flesh will be in season throughout the year, but more plentiful in March and a little before and after, for we are told by a grave author, an eminent French physician, that fish, being a prolific diet, there are more children born in Roman Catholic countries about nine months after Lent. The markets will be more glutted than usual. Because the number of Popish infants is at least three to one in this kingdom, And therefore, it will have one other collateral advantage by lessening the number of papists among us. I have already computed the charge of nursing a beggar's child, in which list I reckon all cottagers, laborers, and four-fifths of the farmers to be about two shillings per annum, rags included. And I believe no gentleman would repine to give ten shillings for the caucus of a good fat child, which as I have said, will make four dishes of excellent nutritive meat when he hath only some particular friend or his own family to dine with him. Thus the squire will learn to be a good lander, landlord and grow popular among his tenants. The mothers will have eight shillings neat profit and be fit for work till she produces another child those who are more thrifty as i must confess the times require may flee the carcass the skin of which artificially dressed will make admirable gloves for ladies and summer boots for fine gentlemen as to our city of dublin shambles may be appointed for this purpose in the most convenient parts of it and butchers we may be assured will not be wanting although i rather recommend buying the children alive and dressing them hot from the knife, as we do roasting pigs. A very worthy person, a truly true lover of his country, and whose virtues I highly esteem, was lately pleased in discoursing on this matter to offer a refinement upon my scheme. He said that many gentlemen of his kingdom, having of late destroyed their deer, be conceived that want venison might be well supplied by the bodies of young lads and maidens not exceeding 14 years of age, nor under 12, so great a number of both sexes in every country being now ready to serve for want of work and service, and these to be disposed of by their parents if alive, or otherwise by their nearest relations. But with due deference to so excellent a friend and so deserving a patriot, I cannot altogether, in his sentiments, for as to the males, my American acquaintance assured me from frequent experience that their flesh was generally tough and lean like that of our schoolboys by continual exercise and their tastes disagreeable, and to fatten them would not answer the charge. Then as to the females, it would, I think, with humble submission, be a loss to the public because they soon become breeders themselves. And besides, it is not improbable that some scrupulous people might be apt to censure such a practice, although indeed very unjustly, as a little boarding upon cruelty, which I confess has always been with me the strongest objection against any project, how well so intended but in order to justify my friend he he confessed that this expedient was put into his head by the famous sal salmanazor a native of the island of hermosa who came thence to london about 20 years ago and in conversation told my friend that in his country when any young person happened to be put to death the executioner sold the carcass to persons of quality as a prime dainty and that in his time the body of a plump girl of 15 who was crucified for an attempt to poison the emperor was sold to his imperial, imperial majesty's prime minister of state and other great mandarins of the courts in joints from the gibbet at 400 crowns neither indeed can i deny That if the same use were made of several plump young girls in this town who without one single groat to their fortunes cannot stir abroad without a chair and appear at a playhouse and assemblies and foreign fineries which they never will pay for, the kingdom would not be the worse. Same persons of desponding spirit are in great concern about the vast number of poor people who are aged, diseased, or maimed, and I have been desired... To employ my thoughts that course may be taken to ease the nation of so grievous an encumbrance but I'm not in the least pain upon that matter because it is very well known that they're every day dying and rotting by cold and famine and filth and vermin as fast as can reasonably be expected and as to the young laborers they are now almost as hopeful a condition they cannot work and consequently pine away from want of nourishment to a degree that if at any time they are accidentally hired to common labor, they have not the strength to perform it, and thus country and themselves are happily delivered from the evils to come. I have too long digressed, and therefore shall return to my subject. I think the advantages by the proposal which I have made are obvious in many, as well as of the highest importance. For first, I have already observed, it would greatly lessen the number of papists with whom we are yearly overrun, being the principal breeders of the nation, as well as our most dangerous enemies who stay at home on purpose with a design to deliver the kingdom to the pretender, hoping to take their advantage by the absence of so many good Protestants. Have chosen rather to leave their country than stay at home and pay the tithes against their conscience to an episcopal curate. Secondly, the poorer tenants will have something valuable of their own, which by law may be made liable to a distress, and help to pay their landlord's rent, their corn and cattle being already seized, and money a thing unknown. Thirdly, whereas the maintenance of a hundred thousand children from two years old and upwards cannot be computed at less than two shillings, ten shillings apiece per annum, the nation's stock will thereby increase 50,000 pounds per annum besides the profit of a new dish introduced to the tables of all gentlemen of fortune in the kingdom who have any refinement in taste, and the money will circulate among ourselves, the goods being entirely of our own growth and manufacture. Fourthly, the constant breeders, besides a gain of eight shillings sterling per annum by sale of their children, will be rid of the charge of maintaining them after the first year. Fifthly, this food would likewise bring great custom to taverns, where the vintners will certainly be so prudent as to procure the best receipts for dressing it to perfection, and consequently have their houses frequently by. All the fine gentlemen, who justly value themselves upon their knowledge and good eating, and a skillful cook who understands how to oblige his guests, will contrive to make it as expensive as they please. Sixthly, this would be a great inducement to marriage, which all wise nations have either encouraged by rewards or enforced by laws and penalties. It would increase the care and tenderness of mothers towards their children when they were sure of a settlement for life to the poor babes, provided in some sort by the public, to their annual profit instead of expense. We should soon see an honest emulation among the married woman, women which of them could bring the fattest child to the market. Men would become as fond of their wives during their time of pregnancy as they are now of their mares in foal, their cows in calf, or so, when they are ready to farrow nor offer to beat or kick them as is too often a practice for fear of a miscarriage many other advantages but might be enumerated for instance the addition of some thousand carcasses in our exportation of barreled beef the propagation of swine's flesh and improvement in the art of making good ham so much wanted among us by the great destruction of pigs too frequent at our tables which are now way comparable in taste or magnificence to a well-grown fat yearly child which roasted whole will make a considerable figure at a lord mayor's feast or any other public entertainment but this and many others i omit being studious of brevity Supposing that 1,000 families in this city would be constant customers for infants' flesh besides others who might have it at merry meetings, particularly at weddings and christenings, I compute that Dublin would take off annually about 20,000 carcasses, and the rest of the kingdom, where probably they will be sold somewhat cheaper, the remaining 80,000. I can think of no one objection that will possibly be raised against this proposal, unless it should be urged, that the number of people will be thereby much lessened in, in the, the kingdom. This I freely own, and twas indeed one principle de- in design in offering it to the world. I desire the reader will observe that I calculate my re- remedy for this individual kingdom of Ireland for no other that ever was or or is or i think ever can be upon the earth therefore let no man talk to me of other expedients of taxing our absentees of five shillings a pound of using neither cloth nor household furniture except what is of our own growth and manufacture of utterly rejecting materials and instruments that provo- promote foreign luxury of curing the expensiveness of pride, vanity, idleness, and gaming in our women, of introducing a vein of parsimony, prudence, and temperance, of learning to love our country, wherein we differ even from Laplanders and the inhabitants of Topinambu, Ta- of quitting our animosities and factions, nor acting any longer like the Jews who were murdering one another at at very moment their city was taken of being a little cautious not to sell our country and consciences for nothing of teaching landlords to have at least one degree of mercy towards their tenants, and lastly of putting a spirit of honesty, industry, and skill into our shopkeepers, who, if a resolution could now be taken to buy only our native goods, would immediately unite to cheat and exact upon us in the price the measure and the goodness nor could ever be brought to make one fair proposal of just stealing though often and earnestly invited to it therefore i repeat let no man talk to me of these and the like expedients till he hath at least some glimpse of hope that there will ever be some hearty and sincere attempt to put them into practice But as to myself, having been wearied out for many years with offering vain, idle, visionary thoughts, and at length utterly despairing of success, I fortunately fell upon this proposal, which, as it is wholly new, so it has something solid and real, of no expense and little trouble, fully in our power, whereby we can incur no danger in disobliging England." For this kind of commodity will not bear exportation, and the flesh being of too tender a consistence to admit a long continuance in salt, although perhaps I could name a country which would be glad to eat up our whole nation without it. After all, I am not so violently bent upon my own opinion as to reject any offer proposed by wise men which shall be found equally innocent, cheap, easy and effectual, but before something of that kind shall be advanced in contradiction to my scheme and offering a better, I desire the author or authors will be pleased maturely to consider two points. First, as things now stand, how they will be able to find food and raiment for a hundred thousand useless mouths and backs. And secondly, there being around Million of creatures in humane figure throughout this c- kingdom, whose whole subsistence put into common stock would leave them in debt two million of pounds sterling, adding those who are beggars by profession to the bulk of farmers, cottagers, laborers with their wives and children who are beggars in effect. I desire those politicians who dislike my overturn may perhaps be so bold to attempt an answer that they will first ask the parents of these mortals whether they would not at this day think it a great happiness to have been sold for food at a year old in the manner I prescribe and therefore have, have avoided such a perpetual scene of misfortunes as they have since gone through by the oppression of landlords, the impossibility of paying rent without money or trade the want of common sustenance with neither house nor clothes to cover them from the inclemencies of the weather, and the most inevitable prospect of entailing the like or greater miseries upon their breed forever. I profess in the sincerity of my heart that I have not the least personal interest in endeavoring to promote this necessary work, having no other motive than the public good of my country. By advancing our trade, providing for infants, relieving the poor, and giving some pleasure to the rich. I have no children by which I can propose to get a single penny. The young being nine years old and my wife past childbearing age. That is a satire. And you can get a glimpse of Ireland and the poverty. And the animosity, political animosity, about taxes and relations with England. Um, Go read history. Hi, Jarrah. Spotini here. Uh, There's a whole lot of reviews at the front of the book. Let me... And, you know, a quote. Uh, look, okay. I thought I'd give you first a little bit. Can we all get along? That appeal was made famous on May 1st, 1992, by Rodney King, a black man who had been beaten nearly to death by four Los Angeles police officers a year earlier. But the entire nation had seen a videotape of the beating. So when a jury failed to convict the officers, their acquittal triggered widespread outrage and six days of rioting in Los Angeles. 53 people were killed and more than 7,000 buildings were torched. Many of, Much of the mayhem was carried live. News cameras tracked the action from helicopters circling overhead after a particularly horrific act of violence against a white truck driver king was moved to make his appeal for peace king's appeal is now so overused that has it has become a cultural keech, a catchphrase more often said for laughs than as a serious appeal for mutual understanding i therefore hesitated to use king's words as the opening line of this book but i decided to go ahead for two reasons the first is because most american nowadays are asking King's questions not about race relations but about political relations and the collapse of cooperation across party lines. Many Americans feel as though the nightly news from Washington is being sent to us from helicopters circling over the city delivering dispatches from the war zone. The second reason I decided to open this book with an overused phrase is because King followed it up with something lovely, something rarely quoted. As he stumbled through his television interview, fighting back tears and often repeating himself, he found these words. Please, we can get along here. We all can get along. I mean, we're all stuck here for a while. Let's try to work it out. This book is about why it's so hard for us to get along. We are indeed all stuck here for a while. So let's at least do what we can to understand why we are so easily divided into hostile groups, each one certain of its righteousness. People who devote their lives to studying something often come to believe that the object of their fascination is the key to understanding everything. Books have been published in recent years on the transformative role in human history played by cooking, mothering, war, even salt this is one of those books i study moral psychology and i'm going to make the case that morality is the extraordinary human capacity that made civilization possible i don't mean to imply that cooking mothering war and salt were not also necessary but in this book i'm going to take you on a tour of human nature and history from the perspective of moral psychology By the end of the tour, I hope to have given you a new way to think about two of the most important, vexing and divisive topics in human life, politics and religion. Etiquette books tell us not to discuss these topics in polite company, but I say go ahead. Politics and religion are both expressions of our underlying moral psychology, and an understanding of that psychology can help to bring people together. My goal in this book is to drain some of the heat, anger, and divisiveness out of these topics and replace them with awe, wonder, and curiosity. We are downright lucky that we evolved this complex moral psychology that allowed our species to burst out of the forest and savannas and into the delights, comforts, and extraordinary peacefulness of modern societies in just a few thousand years. My hope is that this book will make conversations about morality, politics, and religion more common, more civil, and more fun, even in mixed company. My hope is that it will help us all get along. Okay, I'm going to stop there, but I, it seems very optimistic, and I'm about in the middle of it, and it is. Okay, uh, how do I close this app? sorry dud here but that's a taste of the book called the righteous mind why good people are divided by politics and religion and he seems like a good uh, kind uh, teacher Bye.